to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bierman, and I am joined by my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, as well as our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And we are all just coming off of MMVA weekend, which was exactly what you would imagine it would be. The big show, the party. We are going to get into that stuff in a bit. But first, today on the show, we are talking to Brent Butts of Corner Gas fame. You know his show. It's around here uh, on CTV and Bell Media for years, six seasons originally. And now they have a new animated show out uh, in season one right now that you can see on Sundays at 8.30 on CTV. We will get to Brent in a bit. We had a great conversation with him in Montreal at Just for Laughs. And a digital dessert with him. And a digital dessert with Brent Butt that yeah. will uh, will be aired at some point. And he had a really interesting reaction to it, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, you talked, talked about, about it. it. Oh, on, on the, the JFL episode. Well, I'll say it again, yeah. in case you didn't hear the JFL episode. Yeah, he liked you a lot. Yeah. What was his quote? He said I had like the intelligence of a six-year-old. Then. <laughs> he's not wrong. But. <laughs> Was that it? Yeah, that's, he's very intuitive. Yeah, that, that, seems, that seems meaner than I remember. Yeah, so lots going on. We're going to get to the MMVAs in a bit. Uh, but before we do that, I, uh, I, I moderated a Q&A with good friend of the pod, Lights, Yeah. on a Saturday night. You, you're becoming like Toronto's go-to moderator guy. <laughs> well, see, actually, we had a funny line about you the other night where it was like, you are the, oh, king, said- you're the king of moderation. And you're like, that's the first time anybody's ever said that. <laughs> that's a perfect line. Yeah. 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 Did I, you say that during the, the Q&A? No, it was while you were in the uh, MMVA, th- in the studio doing the digital desserts during the MMVAs. Everybody was standing around and we were talking about uh, the Star Trek thing. I'm doing. I guess we can announce that. Um, I'm, uh, for Fan Expo in Toronto that's happening this weekend, uh, which you might be hearing this just before before we do that, I'm going to be moderating the Star Trek Discovery panel uh, at Fan Expo, which is amazing because if you've listened that's to this That's a lot, huge deal for you. You know I'm a huge Star Trek The Next Generation fan, so it's going to be awesome to, to hang out with that cast in front of 3,000 uh, fans in a ballroom and, and, and moderate. So then after we were talking about all that, that was when I said to everybody standing around, like Justin Stockman and The Nut and, and Mike D and Max and everybody, that's what I said, and everybody exploded laughing. Where's that Good thing line. where you're happy because it's a good line, but then you're also like, oh, do these Sad people think I'm an alcoholic? Truth. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I moderated uh, this, this Q&A with uh, Lights, which was great. And it's funny because like, obviously she's a friend and, and we know her and she's been on the, the show twice now and we've, we party together. She's super cool. And people are like, oh, does it ever like, is it, do you get nervous when you do something like that? Or is it, do you get, you know, is the prep all whatever? And I'm just like, Honestly, as long as you're doing it with somebody that's like, if you don't know what the person's like or what they're going to do under pressure or when you have like a packed room. And so we're at Indigo and it's like slam. There's like over like a hundred people. It's there. in the in center, right? Downtown Toronto. Yeah. It's a bookstore though. So you yeah. can imagine. So it's like they got all these lights fans hanging out. People are standing, standing room only. Actually, uh, Dan Hamilton was in the back. I could see that tall drink of water just watching the festivities. <laughs> Afterward, I was like, did you get any social media? He's like, oh no, maybe I, uh, sorry, man. <laughs> I could tell he was coming up. I was supposed to be there by the way. And I you can were. explain why I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we did it, and immediately the microphones, they were wireless mics, uh, stopped. they didn't work. So, like, we walk out there, big ovation for lights, uh, we sit down, I, I'm uh, ready to get into, like, sort of my stuff, and it's like, uh, so it's all off the mic, and then hers kind of works, so then she starts, so then... I take hers and I ask my question and it goes back to her and then she answers but then hers cuts out. So anyway, we had to sort of do this improv where then it was that like... That gets we were, me so anxious. To <laughs> to but it can that. create a funny energy if you can play it right. So this is what I'm getting at. So because Lights is like just super like loose and cool and knows how to go with the flow, we totally just kind of like figured out we're going to use one mic, we're going to sort of play the bit up a bit and then once like, you know, if the mic cuts out again, we'll just yell to the crowd. Anyway, she was great and if you're in a situation like that, like you said, the anxiety of the mic's not working and there's a over 100 people staring at you there's a lot of people i could be on a stage with and be like this is going to be bad 
she was awesome cool. and handled it amazingly and it ended up being a great night and I, th- I think her fans really appreciated it and uh, the reason I bring this up though is because uh, after I was done uh, doing the moderation and I went to go talk to uh, to Danny Hams um, this guy came up to me and he's like, hey, Mike, like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the podcast. I'm like, oh, man, thanks. He's like, I just live like, a, you know, uh, downtown Toronto and I want to come out and check it out. I was like, thanks so much, man. I'm like, what's your name? He's like, uh, he's like, Matt. I'm like, oh, what's your last name? He's like, Perry. I'm like, like Matthew Perry from Friends. And he's like, <laughs> whoa, that's huge. <laughs> you didn't recognize it? It wasn't the real Matthew Perry. Well, although this guy is a real person. Uh, so I was like, oh, so you're like, he's like, yes. He's like, it's like a funny icebreaker when I'm talking to people. I'm like, but you go by Matt Perry. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I would go, I would just totally lean in and do Matthew Perry. But he was uh, the nicest guy. And I wanted to give him a huge shout out because he tweeted at us after he chatted and he asked, uh, he did say, I thought Shane was going to be here, uh, shooting you with the Cobra cam. And I was like, it's funny you say that. Shane was supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he asked me, are Max and Shane like they are on the podcast? <laughs> and I said, no, they're both raging egomaniacs. But uh, <laughs> we make it work somehow. No, I didn't. I said, I said that Max is pretty much exactly as he is. And I said that Shane off mic is actually more shy and kind of introverted and a little bit more socially awkward than you might see on the podcast. Would you say that's accurate? Well, it depends. I'm, uh, it depends if, if you're my buddy, I'm not that shy. Not at all. No, I mean like in like situations where he's like on the podcast, you know, you, you'll tell a story, you'll be very oh, open. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't really do that in public. No, <laughs> exactly. Anyway. So, uh, shout out to Matt Perry, uh, from friends and, uh, from Indigo. Nice. That's awesome. Was he a fan of uh, digital desserts? <laughs> I, we didn't go that deep. I should have asked. <laughs> yeah, Shane, whether it's on the podcast or not on the podcast, you're, you're always a little neurotic that you're being left behind well, or, or not thought about. If anyone who listens to the pod knows yeah. I'm usually right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I was left out of last week's open. That's right. Oh, yeah. This is the first time you guys have been uh, oh, on yeah. this pod together since uh-huh. that happened. Texting chains, etc. Things. Yeah. Uh, remember, um, I think it all started Ketabala. Oh, six years, years ago, ago. Okay, therapy okay. session yeah <laughs> jesus christ uh, but guys like i said uh the mmvas just happened and we were all uh we were out there man we were trying to do work during the show we all went to the after parties but we all had kind of different experiences though sure i feel like we only kind of intersected maybe like five or six times there's yeah. like maxi high five passing uh-huh. you at a party and then on to you know we just did our own thing uh but last call was 4 a.m and i looked around and i felt like everybody was in it to win it yeah it was a great night yeah i'll go first and then we'll just go around the thing sure. we'll, you hit it what happened so i'm the kind of guy who as you know likes to cram in uh you know 19 things in one day you know each thing kind of lasts about 15 minutes and then i gotta go like right now for example uh we're shooting a music video for our new single yeah and it's we're technically on like a lunch break <laughs> and, and this, you're fitting this in yeah the studio and the studio is like a 20 minute uber ride away but i like got in it and i already texted uh mark myers the director saying like shoot anthony in the next scene so because i don't i'm not going to be there <laughs> move my close-up i'm move my close-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly so um anyway so on the day of the mmvas i was trying to squeeze like a bunch of things in i was in hamilton i was running around there i was going to take the go bus in get go to top man because i had to pick up some clothing get a haircut then meet up for the red carpet I had, like all the stuff i had to do and then uh, so i was on the go bus and Lately, uh, t- tell me how I should feel about this. Lately, sometimes when I'm on the go bus, I love taking the go bus. Like, cause in my, cause my house in Hamilton is right next to the go bus. It's literally in my mind, like a personal chauffeur yeah. right mm-hmm. to downtown Toronto. Setup. And I can hop on a Bixie bike in Toronto and just go wherever I need to go. I kind of love the freedom, but sometimes I feel a little goofy that like, 
people in Hamilton like think like I'm where this like massive like millionaire rock band and like what's he doing riding the bus? It just might be kind of weird. Yeah. And so I usually just kind of I generally keep a low profile. I know. Well, you you put a you're one of those types that put a bag beside you so no one <laughs> yeah. sits beside you. Oh, well, there's a bit of that. But no, but you know what? If it's busy enough, obviously I I recognize and I take the bag off and I'm happy to have a, a seat partner. But anyway, so we're taking the bus in and I'm already late. I already take the the later bus than I wanted to. And the bus tr- pulls over the side of the highway and t- I take my headphones out and it turns out there's been this belligerent woman like for the first 25 minutes of the bus ride, like just giving it to the driver for no reason. Whoa. So the driver, I can kind of hear what's going on, but everyone's still a little bit confused and the driver's called the OPP to show up. This has never happened before. I've been taking that bus for like you know 15 years at this point and so i was like oh this is like a weird situation but it was also pissing me off because it was like it was ruining my schedule i had to go to top man i had to get a haircut and i had to walk the red you were about to become the belligerent woman (laughs) yeah i was like hurry the fuck up yeah so uh and then everyone's sort of looking around and the more people are looking around the more people they realize that i'm on the bus too the people's champs yeah and then these like two like teenage girls come up to me she's like they're all nervous like and I was also kind of tired at this point too. I was like, are, it's like, are you, are you in the Arkells? But like saying it loud enough for the rest of the bus to hear. But I didn't want to like start doing picture time in the middle of the bus where the OPP is like on arresting this woman. I was like, this is too much for me. So uh, I was like, so I just kind of like in a very low voice was like, yes, I am. We'll talk about this when we get off the bus in Toronto. And then, and then they scurried away. <laughs> But they have all the info they need, don't they? No, but they yeah. were there. You, you thought tell. they were going to try and set up for photos, yeah, and, and then and, and they did. And when we got to Toronto, well, we they did want a photo, so yeah. I was right. But I kind of had to. So then I I got to Toronto. I like got on the Bixie bike. It's like fucking hot. I'm just like riding oh, around. So town. hot on Sunday. Brutal. Uh, rock the walk the red carpet. Um, and the night was ended up being really fun. It's like MMVs are always a little exciting because you see. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the Canadian music community that you'd run into regularly at, at Canadian music events, like, you know, the Juno Awards or a festival or this or that. But then there's also the big American dogs. Yeah. That uh, you get to schmooze with. Yeah, that you kind of get to see. So um, the big one for me was Tyra Banks. Machine. Oh, this oh, is yeah. my favorite part of the early MMVA. Yeah, you, you're with me. <laughs> yeah. Max, Max comes up and. Uh, he wants, wants to see you and I, Shane, because we're at our desk prepping for the uh, <laughs> the sort of evening of shooting digital desserts. And uh, Maxie comes up with manager Ash, and uh, we're like, "Oh, hey, lots of hugs, whatever." And uh, you're like, "Let's go, like, walk around the party a bit." So we go down, and it's pretty early on, and me, you, and manager Ash are standing in the hallway, and manager Ash goes. Oh, there's Tyra Banks. And then Max goes, oh my God, oh my God. He's like, should I ask for a photo? I'm not going to ask for it. Should I? And then Tyra's like slowly approaching, but she's got like a huge entourage, right? And then just as she comes like walking up, Max goes, hey, Tyra. And then she like looks at him. And she he, smiles. She smiles. Yeah. And he goes, can we do a quick photo? She goes, sorry, sorry, no, I can't. And But she never broke her stride and kept walking. Max goes, <laughs> Max goes no, 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 I understand. It's cool. You just you go do your thing. Oh, man. <laughs> like, Actually, I don't even think she said it. I think her handler said it. I, it was her that said oh, she, her she said sorry or something. Okay. And then Max just turned back around to me and Ash and just kind of like slicked. And I exploded laughing. I was like, <laughs> we're talking about that on the podcast. <laughs> it was so funny. But I love that you went for it. And, oh, then, yeah. and then you said that was like my all-time career. Crush, I had to, I had to try. It. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, and, man. Uh, so that's what you'd call a humbling experience, right? Oh, big time. But I'm kind of used to that. That's always been kind of my role. Like in my friend groups, I was uh, recounting the time. Uh, it was like the second day of university at McMaster, and I rounded up the guys uh, on my floor, <laughs> and I was like, "Guys, we're gonna find a kegger. I heard about a kegger. It's right down the street. I'm taking you there." And at the time, I was wearing like 
this John Lennon like style hat that w- that he kind of wore around the Hard Day's Night. Yeah, like that of, little cap he would wear. The little kind of like a like driver's a paper cap. boy cap. Or yeah, no, not quite like that. It's more like a, like a limo driver's cap. Okay, yeah, you know yeah. yeah. So uh, so we pull up to the house in Westdale, and these like it's like a football player's kegger, uh, and uh, I'm like, hey, we're here for the kegger, and then the guys on the front porch go, nice hat. Oh, <laughs> and then oh, I turn around God. and it's like, guys, I think it's 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Hamilton in the mid-2000s. Uh, yeah, that word was being thrown around a lot. Yeah. Oh, sure. I was called it almost every day. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah. So the night was great. The one thing that I took from the night was I went I went to Franz with uh, Mandrash and Lights at like four in the morning to get yeah. some food. And it was... This is a really... Um, you guys are going to roll your eyes when I tell you this because you're going to go like, yeah, that's so obvious. But basically this, uh, some guy recognized lights and was just talking to lights like about business stuff. Like mm-hmm. he clearly was like kind of in the industry and, and sort of directing all the attention at lights and just asking her questions and kind of catching up. And you could tell lights like d- didn't know who this guy was really, but she was kind of just being polite and doing the thing. Yeah. And I was like, get this guy out of here. And then some fan came up and again, just lights like no, no one's recognizing old maxi boy here. <laughs> uh, and, I just, and I thought I was like, you know, sometimes I imagine, you know, when I'm hanging out with Dan Hamilton or whatever, and they, you guys have to sit through that stuff. I don't know how you guys do it even once because I had that, that experience happen to me one time and I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. So Is anyway, it because you want the attention or it's no, just annoying when it's someone just, It's just did. annoying. But uh, overall, it was an awesome night. You know, we went to this fancy club, then we went to the horseshoe. But you guys get into that. My night, uh, I was kind of just there to uh, support Shane because we decided to do, like in the past, people that listen to the pod, you know that we've usually been in this big thing called the Fishbowl Studio, and we will take whoever comes in. Memorably, our first year, Shamar Moore came in. Actually, our first year, we were in a closet, and we got like, you know, we did get Shawn Mendes that year, actually. We did, yeah. But it was a pretty funny experience. And then the next year, we were in the big studio. We got Shamar Moore, Shane's future wife, Alex and your girlfriend Lauren were serving drinks. It was very fun. Game 7 of the NBA Finals were on. The next year after that, we did the M&M's Lounge, and we got uh, Camila Cabello. Post Malone. Post Malone. That was huge. Uh, This year, we were like, what we do as far as the conversations with the, the celebrities it's not really conducive to like these two or three minutes sort of like or five minute intervals where it's like, so are you having fun tonight? I mean, it's a cool vibe and it can cut together as an interesting sort of five minute video, but we're like, that's not really the heart of what we're trying to do. That being said, in five minutes, if we get five minutes with an artist, Shane can probably knock out a fucking killer digital dessert. Yeah. So we're like, this year, they gave us a studio, not the fishbowl in the heart of everything, but kind of back in the bowels of, of, of the area. Still very nice of, of Bell Media to give us the studio because it looked really great. Uh, and it was like, we're going to funnel people in for the digital desserts. So I was there basically just to help support Shane, make sure people got in. Uh, and then also I was... I was supposed to do an interview with Aquafina uh, at the end of the night after she was done her hosting duties. And I did end up chatting with Aquafina. But so I was really hanging around for the potential of talking to BB Rexa. We were going to do 20 minutes with her, mm-hmm. former podcast. Yeah. And then Aquafina. BB did not happen. Aqua did come by and we had a chat. Uh, but ultimately, it was a five minute chat and we got wrapped. And so it doesn't really lend itself to, again, the 20 minute sort of uh, long form pod. Long form pod. Yeah. So that was my experience of the show. And I guess we'll get to the party and after. Mm-hmm. But I guess we will now, since we were focused on Shane's digital desserts, hand him the, uh, the mic. Well, when you said bowels, you were right because that was a shit night. <laughs> so you mentioned off the top here that you're shooting a music video with uh, Mark Myers. Your partner. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I'm not involved 
uh, in that project is because I had to make a decision where to where to put my time. And with the MMVAs this weekend and you shooting the video uh, the day after the MMVAs because it's a two-day shoot, I decided it would not be fair to Mark if I had uh, been splitting my time or my focus rather. So I put all my focus into these digital desserts that were supposed to happen on the MMVA night. And they were pretty big guests, I thought. 98 Degrees. Yep. Marshmallow. Yep. Wow. And Five Seconds of Summer, which although I'm not familiar with, I hear they're like very big act for young people. Be huge. So I was like, fuck, that's going to be a lot to do in a very short period of time because I've never done more than one in a, a day. In fact, two in two days I find to be a lot. So I got a bit of a writing team together. My friend Paul Moncrief, who's like a professional writer for a living, and Sean Dawson, who Birchall says is the best writer in our group. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought hey, Sean is very I fun. thought it would be good to hire these guys. And I couldn't pay them, but I did offer them a credit should this ever end up on TV or something. Because we did have a film crew there. Fuck, man. We should have got them into the parties as part of it. I didn't know they were like working on it. We, we could have got them wristbands. Yeah, I, I know. I, th- I thought of that late. That would have been a good gift. I know. Next year, fellas, if you're listening. I know. It, it was just, I, I was so hectic. I didn't even think, because the party was so secondary to me. It was just like getting the work done. And also, um, I had my wife make a fake marshmallow helmet, which sounds easy, right? Because his helmet's pretty rudimentary, but she put some work into it, actually made it pretty good. And... You know, she's been going through, uh, I think I can talk about this because she did a blog post about it, but she's having like postpartum depression and stuff. So the last thing she wanted was to be making this helmet and she was kind of wanted me to be around the family this weekend, etc. But I'm like, I need to make this awesome. This is like a big shot for me. So I also got an opportunity to get semi-permanent tattoos. <laughs> and since 98 Degrees was going to be one of the interviews i thought it would be good if i got a 98 degree tattoo (laughs) on my chest and then the whole bit was going to be showing nick lachey who has the 98 degree tattoo that oh look i have this tattoo of course he has since covered up that tattoo (laughs) and then it would be awkward because he would be like oh i actually covered it up like and i'd be like oh I guess it's a stupid tattoo anyway. But there's another guy in the band named Jeff who still has the tattoo. So then it would create comedy and awkwardness between me and Jeff from 98 Degrees. But as I got this semi-permanent tattoo, I realized he's going to think it's a joke or it's fake unless I I up the ante. So I decided to get a word tattooed on my face. Like Post Malone or all these young little Zane rapper type people get and (laughs) and it was taking me hours and hours to come up with the idea for what word to get on my head obviously no regrets would be overly comedic and stuff like that but i didn't want to tip people off that it was fake by making it too funny you wanted them to think it was an authentic tattoo i needed to get the most pretentious word possible right and uh as you guys can probably read the word on my head oh yeah it was death. <laughs> so it's just above my eyebrow. And these last three weeks, these tattoos. So this, as I'm talking to you guys, I have a tattoo that says death on my head right Lauren now. Lauren DM'd me the picture today of you and Alex. And she's like, is, is this real? Like, she, she really thought it was a real tattoo. She my it. parents think it was real. My uh, father-in-law, my mother-in-law thought it was real. They were having like, like 
my mother-in-law actually messaged Alex and said, I didn't think Shane was like this. (laughs) (laughs) This is changing the way I think about him. (laughs) Yeah. And she had to like break it to her that it was obviously for a bit. Do you think if it said life, the reaction would have been a little bit more positive? Yeah. It's kind of nihilistic. There was a thing that was, it was going to be art is life was going to be, but that was (laughs) too like on the nose. Uh, And that, that's why I missed your lights thing. Yes. But I want to thank Linda Yaya for that opportunity because I did get it for free and I got like free beers and it was a pretty cool event (laughs) held by, held by Innocent Gun and Inkbox for the people who did it. I actually have a bunch of people to thank. Shout out. I'd like to thank Mark Myers also for taking on the video that I uh, passed out on. Erica, who came down to help out. Yeah. And uh, Veronique, who, of course, is the digital dessert intern. Won a contest, and you're going to be talking to her later. Yeah, I just want to get the lowdown of her first week as uh, being employed by us. I guess if they're not getting paid, can they still be employed? (laughs) Hanging out with us. Yeah, she's hanging out, (laughs) helping out. I'd like to thank uh, Rob Farina, who gave me... A real marshmallow head. So marshmallow is this really famous DJ for people who don't know. So I had my wife make a fake marshmallow head. And Rob Farina actually provided me with marshmallow's actual head. Because I guess he's buddies with Marshmallow. Marshmallow had signed a head, given it to Rob Farina. Yeah, Rob's the head of iHeartRadio uh, Canada, so he's got those ins. Because I had a pretty good bit with Marshmallow. Because Marshmallow, he does not talk in interviews. So I'm like, what am I going to do with this guy? He can pretty much just nod or communicate through a translator through a laptop. So I was like, okay, I'll have some fun with that. And I had a former intern named Ryan Sisnett. Uh, I, I wanted to use him in a uh, kind of actor capacity. So the bit was going to be while I'm talking to Marshmallow, uh, Ryan Sisnett walks in holding a marshmallow helmet and goes, all right, guys, I'm ready for my interview. (laughs) And then I'm like, what the? Who's the real marshmallow? And then Ryan Sisnett, he's absolutely ripped. Like, he has, like, a scary ripped body. And to prove he was marshmallow, he was going to do this, take his shirt off and dance and just say, I'm marshmallow. I'm marshmallow. (laughs) Like, well, that proves it. And then we were going to have Veronique, the intern, participate. And she was going to walk in wearing... Uh, a marshmallow fake helmet that my wife had spent mm. time making and then she was going to come in and say stop i am the real marshmallow <laughs> that's right the future is female and there was like, <laughs> and it was going to be like marshmallow is actually a woman dj because i was going to be doing a line of questioning why aren't any women djs <laughs> that's funny so it was going to be kind of humorous i was really proud of this bit in my mind it was set up to be the best digital dessert anyway long story short no one came by and even though we had set up these interviews confirmed confirmed for 10 minutes with each person not one person did this uh any of the digital desserts so all this work the missed opportunity not directing the arkell's music video for me is kind of all down the drain so i was we were in the bowels yeah, exactly. So I was really, uh, to- insert toilet noise here. I'm just a guy with a death tattoo and no digital, <laughs> no digital desserts. Uh, but I, Scott Hellman did come by yeah. and this other girl named... Uh, Madison Beer. Madison Beer. Who has and like I, 11 million followers. I fucked Insta. around with them for a bit. But really, you know, you got to do prep on these things. It's like, 
you know, Sasha Baron Cohen, Nathan Fielder, all those bits you see on TV that are presumably just off the cuff or improv. They have a team of writers working on them. All the conceits are planned well in advance. So much prep goes into all those. And it's just when you don't have it, it's just like it, it, it doesn't work. But I will try to turn those into something so at least it wasn't totally fruitless because we did hire two camera people. Yeah, It's kind of a waste of resources in my opinion. So I was a little disappointed. I also want to thank, in lieu of that, Hayden Christensen because he's the fucking coolest guy ever. He is way bigger star than kind of 90 degrees or some of the people who turned down the interview. And he did one of my favorite digital desserts just for a guy being a cool down-to-earth guy who is at one point the biggest star in the world, doesn't have to do my stupid segment, and did like a full cooking show with me. And I literally could have lit him on fire and he would have been cool with it. That's how down he was to do a bit. He wasn't scared to look silly or anything. And he just saw that it was a fun bit. And then at the MMVAs, I'm walking around and he just like, I I see him, but I'm like, ah, he's not going to want to talk to me. He's just like, Shane, hey, and shakes my hand. He's like, where's your wife? And just gets into how fun it was to shoot a bit with me. But anyway, I appreciate him a lot more after being rejected by all those digital desserts. I, I met uh, Hayden because he was cruising around the party with uh, Chaos. And I said, I was like, hey, I uh, produced the Mike on Much podcast. Both Mike and Shane said they had an awesome time with you. And he, his eyes kind of lit up. He's like, oh, it was a wicked time. So that's yeah. nice. We, cool. we all have our Hayden Christensen story now. Yeah. Good. How do we get him into our life? Make him a part of the Champagne Let's Boys. Let's add him to the Champagne Boys group. I'm surprised you didn't get his number. You're pretty good at that I usually. Know. Maybe we just add him to Facebook and then just... I don't, I don't think he fucks with that kind no, of stuff. Okay. Well, he's, we'll he's not a social media guy. Did you listen to the interview? I know. Max? I did. I, I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> but yeah, that was my experience. Then but, I guess, but, yeah. but the after party, you did get to meet 98 Degrees. <sighs> yeah. Are you saving that? Saving what? That story? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I was just so <laughs> over them. At that point, I was Oh, like, I thought it was going to be some big redemption story. No, nah, basically, they were just behind us. And I was like, do you want a photo? And he was just kind of like, I got the tattoo. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Like, but really, I, all I, this weekend, all I cared about was the work. And the party was like meaningless. The party was only worth celebrating had we got this victory. There was literally no like, yes, we did, we did it. it yeah. yeah, you were doing like... Uh, your drinking had a tinge of sadness to it, whereas everybody else was enjoying the evening. Yeah, it, it just sucked. Like, it, it was just a bad feeling because I hate I, – I know it's the name of the game to, like, plan and then things may fall through the cracks. It was just a bad weekend for, you know, a lot of people put in a lot of effort and it's all for naught. And I just hate when other people are putting in effort, like, literally, actors. My wife was slaving over this. I had a team of writers. And then seeing 98 Degrees to get the photo was a little anticlimactic to sure, put sure, it up sure. for... I think it did get 300 likes. <laughs> 12 comments. <laughs> hey, man, it's a small victories. I think that, you know, it's like any of these things. And so many people here work so hard to, like, give us a studio to book these people. Like, everybody on Sarah McLaren's team, Greg Stewart, all these people are trying their hardest to get us these opportunities. And I know that they're just as disappointed when these things don't work out as well. Yeah. yeah, and my advice to any celebrity who thinks they're too good for an interview is don't ever think that because someone probably put in a lot of prep time and just fucking spend 10 minutes of your life doing the interview. And ultimately, one day, people aren't going to want to talk to you. So, And you don't know how big that interviewer is if something's going to uh, you know, be really good for you. Yeah. And if it's not, who cares? It's just another 10 minutes of your life. So that was the MMV experience. Anything else? Nothing else stood out, fellas? I mean, a bust for Shane. We all did get together and have a good time, I felt like, afterward. Yeah, we had a great time. It was fun going to this after party for me because we got to meet up with Dan, your brother, Sean Menard, 
And so there was a bit of a gang out there. So, yeah, it was and, good I, crowd. and I did appreciate that. Uh, Manager Ash was also w- wickedly hungover, and, she, and, <laughs> and we had a lot of stuff to do on Monday. And she never really like she's always has her eyes on the prize. Like she does not get distracted by the party, especially if there's work to be done. She like lives for work, and uh, she lost her wallet. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah. So, those, so, so all of Monday she was like running around doing like a fresh shoot with lights and. And if, uh, the music video was starting with us, and she's like, didn't know where her wallet was. And I was like, just call France. Like, there's a very good chance at like four in the morning, like, you that's when you lost it. She called it, wallet was at France. Wow. With the money in it, too. Happy ending. Yeah, happy ending. So, I guess, I hope that gave our listeners sort of a behind the scene look at uh, how Shane does his digital desserts, yeah. how much prep he puts into them. And obviously, it's a bummer that it didn't go down the way we wanted it. But I think that we're going to get lots more as time goes by. And uh, I'm told Rob Fran said he there's a chance I could still get Marshmallow in the future because he's friends with him. So, oh, good. I'm hopeful. We're holding you to that, Rob. So, fellas, today on the show, like I said off the top, we have Brent Butt, the star of Corner Gas for six seasons, and now they have the animated show out. I, you know, I know Shane had one experience with them for the digital dessert, uh, which I thought you guys had a, actually a good rapport. Mildly antagonistic, but good. I liked it. I like being roasted a little bit. I think he just didn't want any alt humor bullshit. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he uh, he had his way with me. Yeah, and uh, for our <laughs> listeners, you will see that at some point down the road as we compile all of these uh, digital desserts that Shane's been talking about. Uh, I enjoyed my talk with him uh, just because, again, you know, he's a guy that's sort of been in our consciousness. He's on TV all the time, uh, stand-up comedian. Like I said, we did this at JFL, uh, and it was uh, it was a good chat. We got into a lot of stuff. The man performed for the Queen of England. Really? That's right. We wow. get into that in the conversation. Yeah. So I guess we will get to Brent. But for anybody that is tuning in for the first time, maybe you're a huge Corner Gas fan. If you want to go back and listen we have over 100 episodes you can find anywhere you get your podcast itunes soundcloud stitcher google play and now on spotify so please check us out over 100 conversations like i said with musicians actors directors and an astronaut i know i say this every week okay guys do you want to get to brent butt let's get to it let's do it story on the mic we're just going to be rolling on this let's roll it because there's a lot of magic going on <laughs> that we that we're missing just talking about gear yeah i love to talk about the gear are you a big uh gearhead no well i wouldn't say i'm a big gearhead but i've, I've become my wife is she shakes her head because she'll like she'll see me with a laptop up for a couple hours Nonstop, and she'll go. Are you watching microphone reviews again? <laughs> yeah, I'm watching. <laughs> what happened with me is I did. I started an audio podcast called The Butt Pod. I started at a bad time because <laughs> I was in the middle of uh, pr- producing a new TV series. Ah. Why don't I also do a podcast? But anyway, I thought you know what I should do is I should have a video component. So I started a YouTube channel for The Butt Pod. And I've since become much more fascinated with the video component. <laughs> I started doing the audio. Because I, I can, with the, the video component, I can do it myself. Yep. Uh, with the podcast, you have to schedule guests and stuff, as you know, and it can be logistically difficult, and I'm on the road a lot, and I'm traveling. If I bring my camera along, I can just shoot my own little little vlog. So I've ended up, I do that when I go on the road doing stand-up or whatever. I, so I, I throw up all kinds of stuff on my YouTube channel. Have you always been naturally sort of DIY? Like, meaning, like, you know, you're talking about looking at reviews on YouTube or... Not really. I mean... I guess it depends what you mean by DIY. I'm not a guy who can... I mean, I, I, I've i always said I'm a starter. I, I'm really good at starting things. And uh, I have a lot of initiative in that way. I'm not a tremendous finisher. 
Mm-hmm. I often start things that never see the end of day. So, but but I'm I'm always keen to start something new, and and not knowing about it has never really been a deterrent to me. I'm always <laughs> like I can either learn it or I can find somebody who knows. Let's just do it. So that's kind of how I dove in with the podcasting. Okay, well I want to go back a bit just because I'm always fascinated by the comedians and their careers and. Because it's such a creative sort of endeavor, whether it's like people that go into music or, or comedy, it's an unconventional career and the sort of success rate is very low. Yeah. So making the leap like where it's like you do something because it's fun or you have a yearning and then sort of shifting to a, a career mindset, meaning how am I going to make this a viable career? I'd read that you were you literally were drywalling in 1988 and then you decided to jump up and do some stand-up in Saskatchewan. No, that's not really the case. I was drywalling, but that was just to pay the bills. It, this would have been... Well, I was drywalling in like 86, 87. And then I started publishing a comic book with a buddy of mine. I had an idea of, this is kind of a long story, but I had an idea for, a, for an eight-page filler for a comic book that I thought um, we, if, we, if we, like I, I draw and my buddy uh, was into comic books, I was going to get, get him to help me write it. I thought if we make this eight-page filler, there's a chance we could sell it to Marvel because they're often they at the time they were looking for eight-page fillers for the back of their larger magazines like Conan the Barbarian, Savage Sword of Conan, that kind of thing. So I told my buddy this idea I had for an eight-page filler, and he was like, "Oh, that's really interesting." Then he went away, and the next day he said, "Let's go for coffee again." Overnight, he'd flushed this thing out into an epic. You know, it could go on forever, and I was like, "Ugh, now we're never going to be able to sell it." <laughs> so now we have to do it ourselves. <laughs> So that initiative part of me said, well, we just started a publishing company. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing, but so what? Um, so I moved to Saskatoon because he was going back to college. I moved to Saskatoon with him so we could continue making the comic book. And in Saskatoon, there was a comedy club that had amateur night. But my my goal the whole time from the time I was 12 was to do stand-up. Okay. So, so everything was killing time until I could find the opportunity to do stand-up. And what, what do you think the impetus was of that was? Was it the shows you were watching? Or did you have comedians that you were into? I just, when I was 12, I saw a stand-up comedian for the first time on TV. There was a, an afternoon talk show. Like where I grew up, we had two channels on TV. We had one CBC affiliate and one, C, C, one CBC and one CTV affiliate. CTV had an afternoon talk show. It was called the Alan Hamill Show, and later it became the Alan Thick Show. So ah. It was like an afternoon talk show. And I was home from school one summer, summer holidays, and this show came on, and it kind of caught my attention. What is this? And they said, and featuring comedian Kelly Monteith. And I was like, comedian? I'll, I'll watch this. I like comedy. But I'd never seen a stand-up. I'd seen sketches and uh, you know, funny acting, sitcoms, stuff like that. I loved comedy, but I'd never seen the guy just standing there talking, doing stand-up. So I watched Kelly Monteith do this, and I was just like, this is the only thing that makes sense. What this guy is doing is the only thing that makes sense to me as a, as a life path. Yeah. Anything else is wasting time. I got I to do this. <laughs> and so I, I went and told my mom after that show. I walked out to the kitchen and said, I want to be a stand-up comedian. So that was kind of my, always my target. And I first did it in high school, like a variety night, that kind of thing, tried it out there. And it went well enough that I was encouraged to, I wasn't dissuaded. So with that, though, so I mean, okay, so then you, you start getting up, you start doing these, these open mics, you're, you're feeling good, you're getting a good response. Like, are you already cognizant of sort of how you can flip this into like a career? Like, um, how can I do this full time? 
I wouldn't say that I was really thinking about it in those terms, like how could I do this full time? I was really just thinking about my act and trying to have funny jokes. And I always kind of thought, I think I looked at it as this is either going to be something I can make a living at or not. I, I kind of looked at it like that and didn't worry about it too much. But I came along at a really good time, um, a good time to start comedy. It was the late 80s. It was a real comedy boom going on. Sure. So there were a lot of dinky little rooms where you could make 50 or 75 bucks and you could scratch out a meager existence because there was this real comedy boom on. Every pub had a chicken wing and comedy night, you know. And there were a fair number of comedy clubs. So I was able to, you know, it depends how you define a living, but I was sure. able to not do anything else for for those early years and then after after being in it for a while you know I started headlining and then I was making a living was the decision to move to Toronto a difficult one or was that just the next obvious path or step in your path yeah I kind of think it's the next obvious path but um, the way it happened for me was I'd moved from Saskatoon where I started doing stand-up shortly after I moved to Calgary because that was kind of the Western Canadian booking circuit and um, so I was in Calgary for about five or five months or something like that when another comedian that I barely knew I'd only met before at a at a comedy competition but we kind of hit it off he was a funny guy and we kind of became frenzy but I mean it was a sure it was like a day and a half we spent together <laughs> anyway he called me up out of the blue and he said listen I'm driving to Toronto I think you need to go to Toronto and get seen by the people who booked the country and I know you don't have any money you don't have to pay for gas or anything I'm going anyway just hop in the car I said all right so I didn't have any possessions with me or anything. I was able to pack in about 11 minutes. And um, I went to, to Toronto with him. He came back, him and another comic, actually. Um, they both had things to come back for. I didn't. So I said, well, this is where it's at. This is the epicenter of comedy in Canada. I'm going to stay here. Okay, so how then, I mean, obviously, so like... I seem like a shifty drifter in the story. You do, but I like that. That's good. <laughs> I mean, because I think a lot of people, those are the kind of sort of decisions that people need to make, I think, in order to sort of achieve success in some in some ways, uh, just sort of like going with it, sort of saying yes, and then leaving things behind. Well, not that you had much to leave behind. Well, that's said. the thing. Like, I had, I feel like... Um because people say to me sometimes, they go, well, that was like a brave decision to do. You go, well, well, it wasn't at all. What's the difference if I have nothing here, I have nothing there? I wasn't leaving a family and a job or like I literally, it was so easy to go, yeah, that sounds like all right. I had, you know, <laughs> I'll take the six t-shirts that I own and we'll go to Toronto. Yeah. There. So I wasn't, I didn't have to choose between this or that. It was just like, oh, guy's going, I'll go. Um so there, I mean, there were some guys, you know, some guys really have to choose between an established career where they're paying their bills and they're sure. trying to support a kid or something. And then do I chase my dream? I was just never in that position because I was just always chasing this shifty dream. <laughs> and then, okay, so you get the, the TV show Corner Gas. How does that come about? Because that's, were you sort of like, oh, the next step is logically going to be uh, getting a TV show or, you know, like I think you'd had specials at that point, like stand-up specials. Yeah, I'd done like one-off stuff and, and I was in a position in Vancouver where I was producing comedy specials, one-off stuff. And um, so I was, I was kind of learning how to produce TV. There was a producer there who hired me to... He, he would always collect a ton of footage, and then he would say, watch this and t see if you can turn it into something. <laughs> That's kind of how I learned to produce television. But anyway, the way it came about, well, I wasn't really thinking about doing a sitcom, really. It wasn't... Um, 
you know, forefront of my mind or a piece of the puzzle that it wasn't I was on your to vision together. board as the goal yeah. to get to. I was, I loved doing stand up and I was making a living at it at this point. I was doing a lot of corporate shows and I was, you know, I was paying the bills and I was, you know, staying up late and having free cocktails. It was, everything was pretty good. <laughs> but what happened was a director that I knew, I, I had done um, an episode of Comedy Now for CTV. And my performance on that episode was nominated for a Gemini Award for Best Comedy Performance that year. So this director that I knew, who had directed a, a, a stand-up show that I had done for CBC, he said to me, listen, CTV's interested to know if you have any TV show ideas, like for a sitcom or whatever. And I said, well, I wrote this thing. I wrote a treatment for a, a show. I can't imagine they'd be interested in it. I told him what it was about the guy who works at a gas station in the middle of Saskatchewan said I can't imagine they'd be interested in that but I'd written it out as a four-page treatment told him about it he told them about it they responded positively they said that sounds like it's interesting so he told me that I said really he said yeah polish up that treatment flush it out make it as funny and as good as you can make it and, and we'll send it to him we did, and then, the, and then they wanted to have a meeting, and it just kind of went from there. So it, it kind of all came about as like, you know that, that, that old saying where, you know, opportunities are great, but you have to be prepared for the opportunity? Sure. That's what I feel like this was like. It's like this opportunity came along. Do you have something? Yes, here. This is a thing that I wrote. You know what I mean? Uh, I was able to not say, well, let me go away and come up with something. I was able to say, yeah, I have this. What do you think of this? So I was prepared for the opportunity when it came around, and uh, I'm very glad that I took the time to sit down and, you know, write up this notion I had. What would my life be like if I hadn't pursued stand-up? I'd probably be running a gas station. And writing something like that, taking the initiative, like with no, you know, it's like, it's not like you're commissioned to write something like that. You're just doing it because it, it, you enjoy it. And it's yeah. like, it's being proactive without any guarantees, and then that becomes something that be becomes tangible and real. Yeah, one of the things that I've always had is I like to, if I... If I have an idea that's sticking in my head, I kind of have to purge it. Whatever it is, I have to purge it. Sometimes I'll paint a picture because uh, I'm seeing something in my head. Sometimes I'll write a song because I'm hearing a tune in my head. And until I purge it, it just kicks around in there and gets in the way. You know? Stays, yeah. And so I had this idea, like, what would my life be like if I hadn't pursued stand-up? I'd probably still be hanging out at the gas station. That idea was kicking around. And it was kind of a... It was, it also kind of came from, the germ of the idea came from, I, I, I was going to write this, I had an idea for a movie. I was started to write this movie, and it, in the movie it took place, the main character ran a gas station in Saskatchewan, in a small town. Anyway, I was, I was writing the movie, and partway through the movie I was realizing, you know, this isn't as good an idea as I thought it was. It's not going to hold up for a whole movie, and I, the wheels kind of came off the idea. I stopped liking the idea, but what I liked was... This setting in this gas station in Saskatchewan, I knew it. The dialogue was coming easy. I was coming up with jokes easily. I liked all that part of it. Just the whole big story wasn't holding together. But I said, I like this guy and his buddies talking in this gas station. So that was kind of the, the germ of that idea. So it was in my head, so I wrote it down as a four-page treatment for a TV show. And then just didn't do anything. Then, then it was out of my head. I didn't have to bother with it anymore. You parked it. And, and then yeah, and I went back to, back to staying up late and having a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I also read that you performed for the Queen. 
I did. When she was here. So that's, to me, that's sort of, when you go into something like that, do you feel like, ah, oh, this is like any other gig. It's like one of those corporate gigs or one of my stand gigs, or are you very cognizant of the fact that you're performing for the queen? Yeah, I was very cognizant of the fact, and I was also, and I was a little nervous about it, but you know what stuck with me was that, so I'm getting ready to do this show that I know the Queen is going to be at. So I'm not really performing for the Queen. I'm performing for, it was Saskatchewan's 100th anniversary. I was the MC of this big show in an arena. There's 13,000 people there and it's televised and stuff. So there's a lot to focus on. But I knew the Queen was going to be there. The Queen and <laughs> Philip. And they're not usually in the crowd, you know. <laughs> they so so often don't come to my shows, I can't even tell you. <laughs> so, so I'm definitely thinking about that. But the thing that popped out, I remembered this conversation I had with one of my older brothers when I was little, I was like six or seven or something, and he, he was, he's 10 years older than me, so he would have been like a teenager. And I remember saying when I was a little kid, I remember distinctly this conversation, I said, you know, I don't think I'd like to meet the queen, because if she doesn't like you, she could chop your head off. <laughs> and he's like, the queen can't chop your head off. He's got no time for my <laughs> stupid kid behavior. The queen can't chop your head off. I say, yes, she can. You, hear, you read it all the time in stories and stuff. The king or queen, they don't like you off of their head. He's like, that's from a million years ago. They don't do that anymore. I was very insistent that, yes, this is how it goes down. And so he said, well, don't worry about it. You're never going to meet the queen. <laughs> and so I was like, that whole conversation came back. And after the show, she came on stage and met all of us. And I was like, oh, my God, I meet the girl. I hope she doesn't lop my head off. I hope I wasn't right about this. <laughs> Did you use any of that in, in your uh, stand-up? No, I didn't. I got, I, because we were kind of told not to really reference her or make yeah, her a focal not point too much but we did one one joke like the show was put together uh i basically wrote my stand-up stuff but the, there was two guys that wrote on the show uh uh dean jenkinson and al ray were writing on the show and um they came up one of them i can't remember which one of them it wasn't me came up with the, the line the new Star Wars movie was opening that same weekend. We which one the was show. it? Was I can't it remember which yeah. one, but it was the big new Star Wars movie. And the joke that they came up with that I said to the Queen was, you know, thank you for being here with us, honoring us with your presence, your your majesty, as opposed to going to the new Star Wars movie <laughs> that I know you probably could have got into also. <laughs> Something like that. So that was really the only joke that I did to her. I wanted to ask also because uh, your partner, your wife, Nancy... Uh, has been in the show Corner Gas. You guys did another show together. How do you find the working dynamic when you're working with uh, with your with your wife? Is it easier? Is it more difficult? Do you have to approach it differently? Not really, because our I met her doing Corner Gas, yep. so I didn't know her before. I mean, I knew who she was as an actor. I knew she was a funny person, but but I didn't know her until we had cast her to play Wanda in Corner Gas, and I got to know her doing the show. So. We're fortunate in that our the 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 nebulous uh, or the 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 neutron of our relationship is working, is a working relationship. So it's very easy for us to work together because that's, that's how, how we began. met. You know. Oh, got you right. So it didn't shift then after you guys became involved. No, not really. I mean, you know, she is a she's an actor. She's an actor actor. Um, I write and produce and and. Um, so we kind of, we're coming at things from a different place, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, and she's very creative and I bounce ideas off her, you know, and I, I value her opinion a lot. 
but it's yeah we're we're just coming at things from a different place well lastly uh i mean you have the animated show yeah it's it's out now though season one did gangbusters the biggest show in comedy network history so we got picked up for a second season we're in the throes of putting that together now that's phenomenal yeah the response from people has been fantastic do you enjoy doing the animated show maybe more so than the other one or is it hard to compare them I enjoy it differently. I wouldn't say more or less. I enjoy both things. Doing the season one of animation actually reminded me of season one of Corner Gas because there's such a steep learning curve. When we were doing season one of Corner Gas, I had never worked on a TV series, putting a TV series together before. You know, that kind of a machine and, and there's logistics and there's a pipeline and things have to keep moving, you know. Uh, I, I'd always either just done stand-up or did one-off TV specials. So I had to learn the process of doing a TV series, and I relied on a lot of talented people around me to who knew what they were doing. Get you through that first year. Animation, I had to. I had, went into this not knowing how it all worked. So it was a similar situation to me. It was kind of a nice throwback to like, I, I mean, I kind of love being in that situation where you're like, man, I'm in over my head. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, I really need to start paddling and and ask questions, rely on the talents and knowledge of others and you know just kind of be the the creative di direction puller say everybody come this way bring your talents and come this way <laughs> and and figure it out i ask a lot of questions keep my eyes and ears open so in in that way it's very similar to season 1 but it's it's a different workload for for me so the you know when we were shooting the live action thing we had to shoot the show physically shoot the show have the actors there and it would be four days of filming for an episode um here of course it's just audio so you get the actors in so it's only four hours of acting per episode yeah i mean less really we book four hours in the studio to get an episode done we can usually do two in that time and then everybody goes their separate ways and you don't have to shave there's no hair and makeup <laughs> there's no costume changes it's very efficient in that regard but there's this whole other workload that didn't exist in the live action show where now we have the acting in the can now we have to draw and block the show and create the element and color it and do the whole you know it's that whole set of work that didn't exist in the old show mm. so it's just kind of it's just a different element but for me doing the live action show the workload was uh nuts because it was i would get picked up at five or six in the morning and I would go home at midnight and just do it all again tomorrow And because you, you're writing one episode you're writing next week's episode while you're acting in this week's episode and editing last week's episode anytime there was no downtime anytime there was we were on a camera turnaround I had to run to my desk and edit something or write on an episode there was no here with with this it's I don't have to be on the floor acting and overseeing the shooting and the writing and all that stuff. I can do each of those, you know, from home, really. And in post, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah you do the lay down the voices and then build it after that. Yeah, so it's just a different animal, um, but equally fun, equally challenging. But I'm getting a bit more sleep. You know, I can, I can do what I need to do in an eight-hour day now. It's not bad. Everybody on the team can't. <laughs> a lot of the animators are working around the clock. But for me, I can actually... Do an eight-hour day. Well, thank you for your time, Brent. Really appreciate it. Oh, my it. pleasure.
Welcome to the dessert, everyone's favorite part. My name is Shane, and I'm here with Veronique. Uh, Veronique, hi. Hello. I wanted to get an overview of how your first week was, so I wrote like a little intro thing. Okay. My name is Shane, and I'm here with the lucky winner of Shane's Digital Dessert Intern Contest. It's the end of her first week on the job, and we're going to find out what it's like and why interning is totally cool. Who is the mystery winner? Well, it's no mystery at all. Her name is Veronique, and she's going to tell us why interning is Trey chic. Now, Veronique, tell us about your first week. First off, I guess I would say it's actually pronounced Veronique. I'm just going to start off on a good foot here. Picky, Uh, picky with the name. I know, I know. Um, All right. Uh, I guess, obviously, there have been some ups and downs of my first week, as most first weeks go. Um, I'll I'll start with the good things. Uh, Or do do you want the good or the bad first? There's bad. I... Well, I mean, if I want, if you want a fair review, then yes. Oh, uh, let's talk about the pros. Okay. Uh, well, I got to go to the MMVAs, which was very cool. Uh, that was very exciting. Um, I had a custom-built marshmallow helmet, which was very cool. Why did you have a custom-built marshmallow helmet? Well, uh, there was this bit planned with Marshmallow where um, I was going to come in and pretend to be Marshmallow while Shane was interviewing Marshmallow and be like, I'm the real Marshmallow. There was also somebody else that was going to be the real Marshmallow. So So you were going to get to meet a celebrity. Yeah, I was very excited for that. I'm not going to lie. Moving on with other pros, I got to meet Alex, Shane's wife. She's super nice. Um, I also got to meet Hayden Christensen, who's also super nice and i gained uh, about four instagram followers were you a fan of hayden christensen before like were you a star wars fan i've actually never seen any star wars movies so a little bit missed on me but that's okay he was still very nice oh jeez i thought everyone was a star wars fan i'm not either that's why yeah i thought i was the only one i don't know my french parents never made me watch it so Uh, we life Uh, we uh that's about it for the the highlights that's it for the pros yep well hey it was only the first week, and that's where I come from, is a jam-packed week. You got to go to the MMVAs. Yep. You got to meet some celebs. Yep. Is pluralizing that okay? Uh, I mean, I guess Scott Hellman and Ma- Melissa Madison Beer. Oh, Melissa you didn't Beer? include them in your little pro? Uh, yeah, they were all right. I've met Scott Hellman before, and I don't really know who Madison Beer is. Or okay. Mel- I still can't remember if it's Madison or Melissa, but life. All right. Well, what a week it what was. What a week, really. Um, now, all things being fair, I guess let's talk about the cons. So, as you might have just heard, uh, I've met three people, which means that we didn't have any of our actual planned guests at the MMVAs. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's rough. So, as much as the marshmallow helmet was cool, would have been cooler if marshmallow was in the room also. But Yeah, even the best laid plans, you know, they don't always work out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, I mean, I guess that meant I had to spend all night with Mike and Shane, which was all right, but they're no celebs or anything. It's true. We are not celebs. Technically, we're not. Technically, uh, to, to most. Um, I also have received, gotten no pictures with any celebs, so that was part of the deal, I believe. Fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I guess my, my next thing that was also part of the deal is that my picture of Max was supposed to be signed. And here I am with a, a no signature picture of Max. I couldn't find a marker. If you actually listen to the intern contest, you can hear Max looking for a marker. He's like, oh, I, I got to find a marker. I need to find a silver Sharpie. Yep. 
okay, we will get you that. Thank you. Hayden Christensen recognized Shane on the street, but not me. And I'd like to think I was equally as important in that interview as Shane was. Um, So that was unfortunate. Because you did hang out with Hayden for a bit. Yeah, I walked him out of the building. We talked about pizza lunchables and stuff. Would you say that's cooler than getting a picture? Yes, I like the story better than the picture, probably, I guess. Okay, cool. Are we moving that to the pros list? We'll yeah, yeah, let's move. Let's pop right, it over. Right. I'm assuming this con list can't go much longer. Uh, yeah, we're about there. Um, I I learned that I'm filming B-roll instead of actual footage and feeling very upstaged by the camera crews that actually know what they're doing. Oh, okay. You thought you were going to really be filming. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was like number one camera In person. some cases, you will be. I'll tell you that. Okay, all right. I look forward to those times. So Shane says he wants people to be early, but when I am here, here early, I'm hanging out on the street for like 20 minutes. See, I like when people are early because that means they'll be on time. Because often when people think they're going to be on time, they're late. So yeah. for me, everywhere I go, I'm always early and I'm always just chilling in a, a Starbucks for 20 minutes. I thought people liked that. Okay. I was um, hoping to operate the Cobra cam. Cobra? See, that was never agreed upon. No, that was just a hope of mine, and it hasn't happened. (laughs) Had I had known that. Okay. I will bring the Cobra cam in next. Perfect. So I guess another thing is that I've introduced myself as Veronique a million times, and I still get Veronique. uh, So I, yeah. So you're one of those people who likes their name said correctly. I mean, yeah. My parents gave me that name for a reason. Let's stick to it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, So another thing about the MMVAs is that I was kind of hoping, I mean, it's the MMVAs, it's a big night, we're splurging a little bit, that there'd be some food provided for the intern. I mean, I, I know... I know I'm not supposed to get paid, but even just paying for my transport that night, like I was walking around in nice shoes, like... Right, it is a special night, yeah. and I guess it was about four or five hours, so we'll put, we'll write down food, because eating's important for just yeah. living. Yeah, I mean, there was, there, there was water. Yeah, you can survive on that. I heard you can survive without food and just water for like 18 days or something like oh, that. Oh, well, I was off to a good start at the MMVAs there. Jeez, I feel bad now. Fuck, I thought I thought you could have snagged an hors d'oeuvre. I guess when you got the crew wristband, they don't even let you get those. Yeah, there were, we- there were weird rules at the MMVAs about where we were allowed to go. We could get food from one place or beverages from one place, and then we couldn't mm-hmm. go past a certain way. And then the place that we could bring beverages back from didn't let us get beverages from there. So it was a whole, whole mix-up. And as much as I wanted to be like helpful and go get beverages for the pod people i literally could not so sorry i'd like to say beggars can't be choosers but you're not really a beggar Uh, as an intern I mean, another MMVA bit here. Um, so Mike and I are getting ready for the, the little bit of chat that we're going to have with Aquafina. I say we. I was in the room, but Mike was doing all the talking. Um, another celebrity you got to see. Yes, I got to see Aquafina. No picture again, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> so Shane just just disappears. Uh, he doesn't even really say bye or anything. I didn't even I didn't actually realize he left. Uh, and then I get a text from him being like, make sure the camera makes its way back to my desk. Uh, that's how I imagine Shane talks in my head. It um, is. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know where your desk is. I'm feeling completely lost now. And so Mike, being the gracious host that he is, uh, brought me up and we put the camera there and then I left. So I should have said bye. Bye would have been nice. Maybe it, a thank you. I'm Not that I did much because we didn't have any guests, but. you for I was saving it for now. First of all, oh. bye. Thank Secondly, you. thank you. And, geez, I, so when I ask you to put something somewhere, you'd like to know where the location is that I'm asking you to put it. I mean, asking me to put something somewhere I've never been is kind mm-hmm. of a strange ask. 
Am I supposed right. to, was I supposed to just wander around? Let's say Mike wasn't there. What would I have done? That's a good one. That's a good yeah. question. Does I'm, everybody in this building know who you are? Could I have been like, where's Shane Cunningham's desk? And they would have figured it out. I don't, I only talk to Mike really. <laughs> it's, you bring up a good point. I'll say, I'm sorry. I'll say okay. bye. And I'll say thank you. Perfect. Nice little uh, ball on that. Yeah. Something that was actually kind of nice is that I, I was invited to the after party. So thank you for that. That was that was cool. Uh, You're welcome. I was waiting for that. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but I mean, I didn't actually make it to the after party. So the reason being is that um, the bus only comes to a, till a certain hour and I I thought I was good I assumed that Shane would have given me a heads up uh, considering he takes the bus in and out of Toronto every day back to Hamilton where we were both from I assumed that he would have told me that you know hey last bus is at this hour you should probably make it you might not make it to the after parties but in, all night they're you know getting my hopes up like hey we'll see you at the, the after party and I was like yeah and then I, I couldn't actually make it Okay. Yeah, so I, I was super excited to go to the MMVAs. Like, I was really looking forward to it. I was telling Shane how I've been watching the MMVAs for, like, my whole life, basically. And um, I was looking forward to seeing kind of, like, the space we were going to be in. I know last year they were in this great space where people were just walking by. Guess you could see them from the hallway trying to... I don't, I don't know if you guys remember Gigi Hadid walking by and the guys trying to get her in. Oh, Gigi, Gigi. Oh, Gigi, yeah, come Gigi. in. Say hello. Gigi, Gigi. Gigi. Come on. Get it. No. What's she doing? Show on camera. Oh. No, we got oh, she's here. doing the drink. We got drinks. We got a tender. Oh, we were so close. Oh. Um, I was looking forward to that. I thought it would be fun to try and pull random celebs in. So you uh, thought you were going to be like in the middle of the action? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And it turns out we were in some random office in some back hallway behind a bunch of curtains in the dark, basically. Uh, which, I mean, the room was cool. The room itself, once you got in there, it was cool. The walk to it was a little sad. Uh, so, we, yeah, we had a hard time pulling people in even pulling the people we were supposed to have. You could hear the action, though. I could, yeah. I, I saw some people walk by from afar. Through the curtains. Through the curtains. I could tell they were important because they were real shiny, if, if right. you know what I mean. So that that was all right. But we did shoot two digital desserts. Well, sort of. You, you talked to some people, uh, and it was awkward, and you asked them if your tattoos looked real, but I wouldn't... I mean, the four that we had planned that would have been funny didn't actually happen. Yeah, a little technicality, but the digital desserts need a lot of planning. We could only get two celebrities. I mean, you did turn some down, which was borderline offensive. Because I got caught off guard because at one point, Mike came in and he goes, do you remember the guy's name? Francisco yeah, Yates? Yeah, it's I, like, hey, Francesco Yates is here. Do you want to do one with him? I go, no, I don't know who that is. And then I look behind Mike's shoulder, and, and Francesco Yates is there wearing, like, a glittery outfit. Shiny, I'm telling you. Yeah, and he just looks so sad. Yeah, I think you, you crushed his spirit. And then, You really did. <laughs> and then you were like, Shane, uh, you got to start saying yes to people, because we're not going to get anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I just I got scared on a couple more. And then I finally agreed to do them, and they were just terribly awkward. Yes. Well, you kept looking to me being like, who is this person? And I was like, I live under a rock. I have no idea. But you knew Francesco. No, I didn't. I knew Scott Hellman. Oh. That was it. I like right. Scott Hellman. Okay. So that must have been a bit of a thrill. Like I said, though, I've met him before. So you don't like reliving experiences. Mm, I mean, new experiences are more fun. All right, well, you heard it here first. Interning is one hell of a trip. When she's not in heaven, she's in hell, man. Scott Hellman, that is. Man, eh, that might not be the best. <laughs>
Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, okay. Thank you for coming, V. And I'm going to take these notes into consideration because I do think they're all valid points. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, so far, like I said, ups and downs. And I hope it only goes Mm -hmm. up from here. Yeah. Out of 10, what are we rating this internship so far? Are we going based on like, because my list of of cons was way longer, which means it's got to be below five. But I don't feel overall it's below five. Well, you know, sometimes you're just having such a good time. You're almost speechless. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) There you have it. As long as I don't sound like I'm ungrateful. Like, I I just want to make sure that the people know that I'm super happy to be here. And this is great. You're welcome. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Mike on Much podcast can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Uh, uh, give us a follow. Give us a comment. We want to be in touch with you. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found. Huge thank you to Ter- uh, Tara Paquette and Jenna Gregory for putting together the artwork. And a uh, huge thank you to all the people in the building here that uh, got us into the party. They make it happen. Yeah. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Brent Butt for coming on. Thank you to Veronique for coming on in the dessert with Shane. Mike and Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Gurman. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend.